0: On this episode of AV Week, QSC halts shipments and the corporate side of House of Worship. All this and more on this episode of AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is is AV Week episode 523. A gooder service, a.k.a. let's get cooking. Support for AV Nation is brought
2: to you by
1: Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a
2: leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. And by FSR.
0: Welcome to this episode of AV Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.tv. We're filling in for Mr. Albright this week. Uh, We have with us this week, it's going to be a fantastic show. First, we have my sister, Megan Dutta. She is the new director of Emerging Markets at Rave Agency. How are you doing, Meg?
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Then we have... Uh, my twin, Mr. Luke Jordan, he is the VP and co-steward at Electroacoustics. How you doing, Luke?
2: Good. Had nothing else to do, so I'm glad to be here.
0: You really should find ways to fill your day, Luke. Like, you're a <laughs> VP. You can't just I'm getting a podcast. little mini golf course from my office. That sounds amazing. I might steal that idea. And last but not least, we have Mr. John Henkel. He is the Pro AV Product Marketing Manager at Netgear. How you doing, John?
3: Thanks. Luke and I were talking together what we could do for Friday for entertainment, mm-hmm. and
0: here we are. Yeah, look at that. I'm, I'm glad you guys could, could join me. It's going to be a fun show. We are going to kick it off with a story that comes to us from ravepubs.com. QSC is going to temporarily stop fulfilling orders for a number of products due to supply shortages in a, maybe not an internal letter, but a letter that went out to Premier Dealers. Uh, QSE mentions that due to supply shortages, shipping is- issues, et cetera, there is a fairly decent uh, product portfolio that they are going to stop accepting orders on uh, those products for the foreseeable future until they can uh, supply those in a you know efficient manner, we'll say. Um, this is kind of the this is the first of its kind to my knowledge. Of a vendor coming right out and saying, "Hey, we have a bunch of mainstay products that we can't fulfill uh, in a timely manner, so we're not even going to take back orders on them." Megan, this is this must have been a tough decision to make for QSC to to articulate this and put it on paper, uh, opposed to just having you know a rep say, "Yeah, you don't want to order that one for a while." What does it mean to see? a big company like QSE kind of have this, you know, semi-honest note out to its its dealer base. And and I say semi-honest in the sense that they didn't post this on the website. This just went out to dealers. And in the bottom, it says, please do not send this out. This is confidential, which it no longer is. Uh, (laughs) So sorry about that. Um, I didn't get it. It didn't come from me. I'm not the source. What does it mean, Megan, to see a company be this honest with their dealer base about the the issues that they're facing as far as supply and product?
1: I'm a big fan of transparency and this is kind of like the ultimate transparency just saying like, hey, you're not gonna get these so uh, you know, don't you're essentially not wasting people's time. They're not specking them they're not trying to order them and then waiting and waiting and waiting for updates on it. And I think it is going to lead to a greater trend. They're the first to do it. as like you said, to our knowledge, they're the first to mm-hmm. do it. And I think it's going to make other manufacturers feel more comfortable saying, you know what, we're also having the same problem because it's not a secret that the entire world is facing a supply chain shortage. I mean, I just ordered new windows in March. They're getting here this week. That's not normal. And everybody's facing that. And, you know, and no matter what industry that you're in. So I think it's mm-hmm. they get big props for, claiming it and owning
0: it. Very good. Luke, when, when you see this as a as an integrator as a dealer, does this endear QC to you? Do you do you take that that honesty and say yes, this is fantastic, even though we can't sell those products, and we've got to find a replacement um, when they have them? we're definitely coming full board with that? Does it does it make you want to see that honesty from your other vendors?
2: Uh, It's a mixed bag for me. I I definitely agree that transparency and, hey, this is what's coming is really nice. There's a a mixing console that I ordered in April, and they've quit responding to when I'm going to get it. And so we're having to just uh, use existing gear and not have as many channels and come up with a workaround for our client. Uh, So yeah, knowing that that's coming and there's just no time horizon but they are being proactive about communicating that that's great on the other hand um maybe unlike some consultants that that is what i chose for this reason and it has to be that and it's worth the wait i serve the client and i serve their timetable and so it's less about um you know I'm gonna use this product, and this is nice to have, so I can quit specifying that. I still have a bunch of jobs and a bunch of clients in a lurch, and this doesn't help me solve that problem, which is my biggest problem is taking care of my clients and and just being good stewards of of their facilities and their systems so does does it give you though? Like the, the part
0: that I really relate with, and, and full disclosure, if you don't know, I'm, a, I'm an integrator too, so I get this. Do you not, or, or can you not appreciate the fact that they're saying, hey, don't put this into your spec because we don't have it for the foreseeable future. So yes, you're still scrambling, but you're not sitting there for three months and then six months and then maybe nine months down the road going, you know, we're still waiting on that thing because my, my, my rep keeps telling me it's
2: it's a month out. It's I'm sure it's on the water, right? Is, yeah. is that not it, it, helpful? It, so, so the hard line to take here is I appreciate the transparency by appreciate inventory even more. And so I think this leaves the door open for any other competitor to say – Either, hey, we weren't as popular, so we didn't have the demand, but we saw the writing on the wall. We increased production capacity. We hired staff. We started working more hours. And we can take all of those amplifiers that you need, all those touch panels you need, all these accessories you need, and we can produce a competitive product and have it in stock. And we have got six months of inventory in the States ready to go come find us. I think this is a big opportunity for someone to try and catch up market share and create waves. I appreciate inventory more than a proactive, here's what's coming, but I also believe in grace. So I really do appreciate what's going on and I'm willing to hold out on a great relationship with a manufacturer like QNC because they're doing this, but it'd be helpful if they gave me some type of idea of how long I needed to hold on for before I start swapping products over.
1: But Luke, what makes you think that other manufacturers just have all these spare parts when there's a global shortage of supplies? I mean, that's the whole reason. It's not like-
2: because I'm still installing?
1: No, I get it. But I mean, I've worked for a manufacturer and John, you you know, you can feel free to jump in here. But it's not like everyone is just like, oh, yeah, we have these spare parts around. But QSC is the only company that's having this issue.
3: They're- yeah, tough. I can certainly jump in. Being the only manufacturer here, uh, or currently, I should say, you're making you make work for one. It's tough. This is a huge, huge problem worldwide for not just this industry, as you're as you're saying. So i worked for several manufacturers before, and Netgear being a public company and this massive, this is the biggest company I've worked for, and it, it affects the entire company. It affects what products we choose to make a year from now or two years from now. Um, but for current supply and things, I admire their transparency, for sure. I think that helps in general, but like Luke said, product on the shelf would help even more. Um, at Netgear, we've done such a good job, I think, overall of marketing to the pro AV community for our switches, and now we're having supply issues, and it's you know it happens. Um, unfortunately, trying to get out of that is not as easy, and our operations team is working amazing feats trying to get these products in. We're we're flying products in versus putting them on a ship sometimes if we have to. Uh, we're You know, as you all have heard of or read about some of these deals, we're making uh, headway with like QSE for exclusive partnership for some of our switches or so and so. So we have to make sure we allot some of them to them while making sure that people like Luke and Matt have product as well to install. So it's a huge balancing act that is just we talk about this daily at Netgear. Mm -hmm. Um, It is difficult to get out of and And like Megan, like you're saying, it isn't like just, oh, we'll just use a different chip because that whole board is designed around this one chip. And it's it comes from the chip manufacturers down to the ODMs. Oh, COVID breaks out of a factory, and now you can't produce the product. I mean, it's just it's endless. So it's a really sticky thing. It's a really difficult problem. I get.
2: And, and to that point, we we started doing uh, Netgear as our as our primary go to switch within the last year. Um, uh, but you can only do so many different lines that do the same thing. You really can't. Carry every line at a competitive price and know the nuances and kind of design intentions of every brand. So you kind of have to pick a limited number of switches, amplifiers, speakers, whatever. And you've kind of got to roll the dice with those. And maybe you do one off for a bid, but you probably don't have the best pricing. So I get calls constantly because of my role within my business of, hey, we are such and such company. We do this. We think you'd be a good fit. We would love to work with you. And the answer I I usually give is, thanks, I appreciate that, I know who you are, I like what you do, but I am in a good place with this company, and they're going to have to give me a good opportunity to go looking before I'm actually going to go do that. And I have switched several vendors in the last few years because of that. It's been a volatile couple years, it feels like, Uh, but so where I was getting my switches was transactional. I've had more relationship with Netgear. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick on them because you're on the call, John, and that's been great. Uh, but situations like these is where companies gain and lose market share. Mm-hmm. And the this global supply chain has not been a new issue um, at all. And so some companies, I think, have been able to forecast or deal with that. And, and again, I mean, I understand there's grace. QSC is just a very, very big fish, and so there is a lot of demand, and they do a great job marketing it, and they do a fantastic job innovating it. I've, I've got a great relationship. If Corey Schaefer, if you're listening, I love you guys. So I'm not bashing QSC at all. However, there is just this, this friction of I appreciate the relationship. However, I don't have product. So it, it's tough all around. There's, you know, It's been tough for a while.
1: Matt, one more thing in the article before we wrap what up. What would
2: you what would you like to talk about?
1: <laughs> I want to man. talk about the 5% uh, surcharge.
0: That doesn't shock me at all.
1: I know, but I want to know like how many manufacturers are doing that and publicize well, so, semi-publicly. Publicly.
0: I um I'll I'll speak to that for a second. Um the majority of our our companies were seeing increasing shipping. Everybody's increasing shipping. Because I was talking to a vendor last week who told me they typically buy a container for three thousand dollars to ship things over uh, from from China, and now they are paying twenty two to twenty five thousand dollars for a container. So there comes a point, and and there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, as far as why there's a shortage, and and you know I'm sure there's some price gouging and some other things going on as well, but. It, it, it just it is what it is. Shipping is going up extensively, and I think you're going to see that, Luke. I'm, I'm assuming you're seeing the same.
2: Uh, I actually don't know what what shipping costs. Every now and then, I'll do a couple box sales for TVs, and I'll be told you are way off. You know, either above or below. I actually just calculate shipping as a percentage of of overall cost on a project, which is what QSC is doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm seeing random and rapid increases, even just on cost in general. Um, yep. Some of them, I guess this transparency is very nice. I've got uh, Alan & Heath is doing an increase September 1st. So I am getting in tons and tons and tons of orders. Before now, I am I'm breaking off parts of quotes because they don't have all the money, but they know they don't want to pay more. I'm breaking off splitting up quotes to make sure that we get in under the deadline so Mm -hmm. giving me like a here's a two weeks heads up that's that's great other times i read emails that say by reading this email you have now been informed that there has been a price increase (laughs) (laughs) those are my so (laughs) so i think i think transparency is great um and i really am not super mad about shipping um it is what it is. I want them to make money and to stay in business too. Yeah, it's the cost of doing business. All right, let's let's change
0: topics because I I could rant on shipping and you know things like that. Living in Canada uh, for for quite a while. Uh, this comes to us from Sound and Communications, the intersection of corporate and ministry. Uh, if you have not read this article, go check this out. It is a very very good article from David Lee Jr. Um, Essentially talking about the fact that there's a there's a huge corporate aspect of House of Worship that gets missed a lot when we talk house of worship and I talk house of worship a lot. Um I just wrote an article for for Megan's former company um last week that I think just came out like today or yesterday. Um on Correct, it's
1: in the September issue.
0: Yes, it's in the September issue. September
1: issue of SN. Go check it out. AV network.com.
0: Definitely go check it out. Um, so I, 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 feel that I'm, I'm uniquely able to, to talk house of worship and I'm glad Luke is here because I know he does a lot of house of worship as well, but essentially when we talk house of worship as a rule, we're talking the auditorium, we're talking audio, we're talking video, we're talking lighting, we're talking staging, maybe some atmospheric stuff. If you're, you know, wild and crazy, um, we don't talk the back office. We don't talk, uh, the requirements for, data management for media for digital conferencing for all the things that we talk in a corporate environment Luke when you see this this article and and again I know you and your company do a fair amount of house of worship as well is this kind of the the biggest overlooked aspect of that that vertical
2: no um, house of worship is is a very strange vertical in a lot of ways. I think you go into Amen. the corporate. <laughs> there, there's just so many differences between denominations, between geographical location, between what their mission as a church is within their denomination from another church within their denominations mission. I think you go into most corporate environments. Their goal is to provide a good, good or service at a good price and make money. And every dollar they spend internally, ideally, would support that. Uh, And if something is expensive but provides good value, then it's worth the money. If it's expensive but it's really not going to give us a lot of benefit in our ability to make a good thing at a good price and make profit, then it's not really good for us and that's okay. So that's a very uh, stable vertical from my perspective. But the Catholic Church— has very different systems and processes and missions from the Southern Baptist Church. And the mm-hmm. average size and needs of a church south of the Mason-Dixon line are going to be much different than anything in the north. Yes, we use that word in random in daily conversation down here. Uh, it's a geographical line. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Schofield, sixth grade geography. So I, I think that you have larger churches that— understand this well i think you have growing churches that are on their way there and need a consultant or a design build firm like ours to guide them to give them insights to help prepare infrastructure on where they're going and then you have a lot of small to medium-sized churches that what happens in the sanctuary is the mission and there's really not a, a there's not a need for the back office support to really be a part of that
0: yeah that's a very good point John, one of the things that kind of hit me uh, again reading the article, knowing you were coming on, was I know when we've worked with a, a variety of churches, we get tasked with managing again the auditorium, the breakout rooms, and the networks for those rooms. And often it's you know it's split up, and we're running a separate network for uh, AVL, and then we're running one for attendees or parishioners or you know, whatever you want to call them, congregants, uh depending on your uh your faith. Um but we're very rarely in that back office. And a lot of times you end up with multiple, you know, three different network uh schematics for that facility. It, what what's the best way or is there a best way, to to Luke's point, to try and address all three of those together or, or does it make sense a lot of times for integrators just to not touch that back office at all great
3: questions man i think it's the same as we talk about for pro av you know you talk about we talk about convergence of av and it together but in general you don't want to do that you know we don't want to have these video streams flooding down the regular corporate network same thing for house of worship i'd say if, and especially if they're happy with their back office network great keep that there maybe add some control that can bridge that network but otherwise keep the av network separate I think house of worship is really unique and you get all kinds of people who are initiating the push for AV, right? Luke's seen this, of course. Uh, You get the guy who's just a volunteer who maybe has no AV background at all, but he's gung ho and I think it's awesome and they're learning all this stuff. They don't know what they're getting into. And you get people who are actually into business who are helping out the church too. So you're going to get a mixed bag of all these people trying to implement all these different things and they don't know what to do. So it's really important for the Design firms to help figure out what's appropriate, and then you know plug in next year a little bit products that make it easier to implement with just like a click and you know touch sort of interface things like that. I think can really make a big difference in house of worship.
0: Yeah, that's really good, Megan. Let's let's wrap this one up with you. I I, I think um, why is it so difficult to capitalize on the house of worship market? Because it it's especially in the U.S. and especially to Luke's point, south of the Mason Dixon. It is a massive industry up here in Canada, not so much. Um it, it's still big, it's just we don't have y'all mega churches that y'all have down south. Um why is it so hard for our industry to capitalize on just that market in general?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth Don't I mean, you I love got- the transparency? I do. I do. Well and like Luke already said, you know, there, it is. It's not like corporations where everyone kind of has like a very similar thing. It's diff- It varies by region. It varies by faith. There's so many variables, and you have to really know, I think, your local market. And so maybe, you know, smaller integrators like you and Luke do better in that market than larger ones.
2: I'm mean, I'm going to challenge the question, how are we not capitalizing on it?
0: You've been in a lot of churches, Luke. You've seen how poor a lot of those facilities are. There's tons of facilities today that don't have a good relationship with an integrator. If you are, uh, and again, this, this one is a little near and dear to my heart, which is why I'm kind of harping on it. Um, if you're a member of any of the technical forums on Facebook for churches, it is a cluster of nonsense, which leads me to say that we do not capitalize on that market.
2: Am I wrong in that? Oh, I used to sell cut Cutco knives in college because that's what you do in college, and uh, the it was actually a, a very good sales yeah, I, strategy. Who, el- it, who a- else did that? <laughs> I worked in TV in college. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah, I worked in like Campus Aid.
2: <laughs> no, I want to. I want to. I want to I wanna know. People need to reach out to me this week. If you sold Cutco knives in college, come find me. <laughs> we need to uh, a But up. it was it was it was a fantastic job. I would I would go home to Fort Worth from the weekends during college and just sell knives. It was great. So you just book appointments uh, with with folks that are kind of home during the day. You drink sweet tea and lemonade and you cut up fruit and you make money. It's fantastic. So I would show up with like cantaloupes, watermelons, you would take the, the, the shears and you would corkscrew a penny, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. But so you, you say, this is what I can do with my knives. Go get your best kitchen knife, and let's see if it'll do the same thing. And it wouldn't. So you really just prove the value uh, of the product, and then you say, here's what competitive products cost. This costs less, but but we know it's good because we've seen it, we've played with it, we've cut stuff. Let's get cooking. And so in the same way, at the end of the day, that, that knife-buying client really gets to decide what is my value? Am I fine with my Costco kitchen knife that, yeah, I've, I've seen your knife and my knife. I know yours is better, but I really don't cook that much. Or, you know, it's just really not a big deal to me. I'm okay if some of my tomatoes get squashed and are unusable and I throw them away. My, my produce budget isn't that big. They get to decide, having seen a good knife, I still don't really care. Or, I would like that. Of course I would like that. I don't think any church wouldn't like to have... AV that doesn't fall apart and is held together by duct tape, but uh, it's just not in our budget, or we've got a ton of debt as a church and our congregation is shrinking. We really, while it would be nice to be able to communicate more effectively with people, which would enhance the worship experience that may bring people, we're already in debt and we are gambling when we say that. And so we have to be good stewards of the money we have and really focus on paying down debt Uh, as a body before we can take on more and so it's not as simple as uh, the reason that their AV is bad is because integrators and consultants haven't tried to educate them and provide them with better tools but again they don't have as linear of a revenue generating source as a for-profit business does Mm -hmm. you can't just go out and sell more and make that problem go away uh, they have to fundraise. They have to ask. They are dependent on an alternative form of revenue from the for-profit sector. And so I don't think that it's it's a lack of education or who to talk to. Uh, and I honestly, at least down here, I think we do a fantastic job. I think the really big national firms do a good job too. There's differences on why a church may or may not use which of us but to me it's there's only a few fly-by-night guys that really give everyone a bad name but to me it's other priority driven decisions from a church in that church market that's different from even traditional non-profits 501c3s or the or the private sector uh that are really making that difference
1: do you think that it has anything to do with you know a lot of churches their av staff is made up of volunteers and those volunteers might not even have AV experience. Like how many a- people that are in AV now do you know that got their start? Like Alicia will say she was like 12 doing it, like audio at her church mm-hmm. and she just learned it herself.
2: No, I was, I was 14. I mean, a lot of us got started by uh, starting sure. off with youth groups and, and if yeah. you didn't have a, a, a mixed wizard, then I don't know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> but you know. It's, it's just
0: different. I, I think, Megan, to your point, the the volunteer aspect can be very challenging. And, you know, our, our sweet spot has always been the smaller local churches. And that is the number one issue that we run across. Budget and, and, and staff. And when you have a lot of facilities that do not pay or hire competent people to run that system every week, and there's a lot of very good volunteers, don't misunderstand, but you're at the mercy of quite often a volunteer who's kind of trying to direct the, the implementation of tech in their facility or a board, which has its own challenges um, that I'm sure Luke's dealt with before too. Um, that's uh, a lot of times you, you're in a situation where either a integrator or a consultant brings something to the table shows the 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 ministry a plan and then it gets dissected by people who don't really know what they're doing which in the corporate world that doesn't happen that much it, it it's and definitely not to the same level so you end up with a lot of situations where you fulfill something and uh, I would assume Luke you've you've been down this road too you design a system and all of a sudden somebody in the the facility is trying to buy comparable equipment off ebay or craigslist or whatever and they're going to rig it themselves
2: yeah uh this doesn't this isn't true for for marriage but it sure works out for av sometimes you've got to let your (laughs) wife date other people to figure out that you're still a good catch yeah uh mrs jordan i love you excited to celebrate 10 years in two months and so (laughs) um if they if they decide to by the way if they decide to shop it out and, uh, and go all that, you, you're also not obligated at that point to install what is yeah. left or, or anything like that. And, and if it goes well, um, then you've already lost that relationship, and it's probably not the best relationship. A good relationship, you provide something fantastic, and you also make a profit. Uh, mm-hmm. those, are, those are two things that have to happen on every good project. So if you are no longer making margin, uh, or if they're not happy, then you either need to do something to try and reestablish that relationship, or it's time to say, that's all right, I don't have to be everybody's integrator, that's okay. Uh, And oftentimes, they might come back and say after a while, wow, this is actually really hard, we don't want to do it ourselves anymore. Or they might say, that other integrator had a much better price, but they don't uh, do X, Y, and Z. And, and we really kind of realize how much that was a big part of what you did. Uh, can you come help us again? I've been down that road many times with different industries.
0: You
3: and me both. You don't. might say they need to have faith in you. an wow. greater. That's cool. Great.
2: Great. Uh, I'm not gonna tell a church to have faith in anyone, but the man upstairs. I, I've Absolutely. actually used that one
0: myself. <laughs> 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 so you usually get a chuckle when you don't get the chuckle. That's when it's like, yeah. yep, this thing going to work. You got to yeah, read the room. Yeah, read the room. Read the room. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's end it there uh, before I really go on a rant about it. Uh, Megan, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Rave Agency, where can they do that?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Megan A.Data. Um, you can find things about Launch, which is the platform I work on at Rave, at launch.com, which is L-A-V-N-C-H.com.
0: Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Mr. Jordan, if people want to connect with you, learn more about electroacoustics, where can they do that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Luke Jordan, E-A-V-I, or you can find us at our website, EAVI.com, spelled exactly how it sounds.
0: If you you follow him on Twitter, he'll tell you where you can get a nice cardigan like that, too. Mr. Henkel, uh, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Netgear, where can they do that?
3: You can find me on Twitter, of course, as well, John R. Henkel, little initial R, and uh, certainly netgear.com slash pro is a good landing page to
0: find out, and and LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for joining us. As for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv, where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of AV Week. It's like I have my sister and my little brother and then John, you can be the cool uncle.
2: I I thought we were twins. Yeah,
0: sort of.